On this Air Check episode, we catch up with New York radio icon, Jimmy Fink. This is part one of a four-part series with Jimmy Fink. His story includes so many exciting career moments, being part of the original lineup at stations when they launched into rock, WPLJ, 92.3 K-Rock, and 107.1 The Peak, along with conversations and meetups with artists like Robert Plant, Paul McCartney, and John Lennon. Let's begin. Welcome to AirCheck Season 4, a podcast about radio's personality from radio personalities, managers, consultants, owners, and your most humble hosts from Philadelphia, Rich DeSisto and Paul Kelly. I'm Rich DeSisto. And I'm Paul Kelly. On this AirCheck session, part one of four, Jimmy rewinds the moments when he was hired at the beginnings of two legendary New York City radio stations, WABC-FM, which became WPLJ. You're listening to the Dave Herman program on WABC-FM in New York. <laughs> oh, too late. WPLJ 95.5 FM in New York. I almost said the wrong thing again. <laughs> and the new 92.3 K-Rock. Introducing 92.3 FM K-Rock, the rock and roll station that's been missing from your radio. New rock, classic rock. K-Rock, a new beginning for rock and roll radio. Jimmy also shares his greatest moments with musicians, including Robin Gibb of the Bee Gees and Led Zeppelin's Robert Plant. I wonder, is the album in terms of CD or vinyl uh, still a viable medium for you as an artist to, to disseminate your craft? You're not the first person to ask that question. I mean, who knows? I have no idea. All I know is, is that it was my life's work always to approve the vinyl cut. He is currently an on-air personality at 107.1 The Peak in Westchester, New York, where he does afternoon drive. This is 107.1 The Peak. WXPK. Briarcliff Manor, White Plains. World-class rock. Ladies and gentlemen, theater of the mindless in our crowd, please welcome across the stage from 107.1 The Peak, Jimmy Fink. Yeah, thank you. Jeez, this sounds just like when I introduced Judas Priest at Madison Square Garden. Where's your motorcycle? You got to come out on a motorcycle. <laughs> yeah, the Turbo Lover Tour. That was was pretty cool. Well, Jimmy, you were part of a time in New York radio when AM radio moved aside from the mighty FM band, the 1960s into the 70s. The infamous WABC AM and WABC FM were making waves. WABC FM became New York's best rock, WPLJ, as WNEW FN was beginning to make a name for itself in the progressive rock arena as well. Uh, and we'll talk about those early days, too, and how PLJ came about. It's a uh, relation to a, a Mothers of Invention song and the competitive of nature between it and WNEWFM. But let's jump right into another mother of invention of New York radio, the arrival of 92.3 K-Rock, WXRK. You were there. Uh, you were the very first hire, from what I understand, at that station, ready to take on the Big Apple in the classic rock format. Uh, K-Rock also soon became the flagship home of the Howard Stern Show. Um, and, and wasn't it the live broadcast of Live Aid in July of 85 that started it all? How did all, how did yeah. all that happen? How did you end up there? It was Live Aid weekend. It was July 12th, 1985. Your radio's been a rock and roll wasteland until now. Introducing 92.3 FM, K-Rock. The rock and roll station that's been missing from your radio. New rock, classic rock, K-Rock. A new beginning for rock and roll radio. 
I was so happy to be there because some of the best times in radio, I don't know if uh, many of your listeners are actually involved in radio, but if they, if they are, then they know that some of the best times in radio are when you join a station right from the beginning. You're not just a hire of a station that's been around a long time. You're there right from the beginning, and it's just, it's so exciting. That comes in at number 134. Me and Bobby McGee from Janis Joplin before that, the great Young Lust from Pink Floyd, but it's a man answering. And uh, Robert Palmer's Bad Case of Love and You, of course, Born to Run was Bruce. And you also had the Eagles and Desperado, Skinnerd and The Who, and Peter Frampton with Baby I Love Your Way at number 142. All part of our K-Rock Firecracker 501 countdown. And I'm Jimmy Fink on the Classic Rock Station 92.3 K-Rock. I contacted uh, Pat Evans, who was the program director of, uh, of K-Rock at the time. And uh, I had been um, uh, working for HBO and Cinemax and uh, n- not really on the air in New York since um, uh, sometime in, in 1983. Um, and during the, those two years... When I was absent from the radio, I was producing some nationally syndicated shows and also doing some voices, voice things on HBO and Cinemax. And um, uh, so when I called Pat Evans and she said, yeah, come on over, uh, it was just a thrill. I was uh, actually planning a weekend out in the Hamptons at a house that we rented for the summer. And instead of going there, I uh, went into K-Rock. Hi, New York. You know, before I was a comedian, I was a guitar player. And I wanted to be the best, but I wasn't. Just like a lot of radio stations try to be K-Rock, and they're not, because K-Rock is the best. It's the best classic rock and roll you're going to find, and they have it all day. And they have Howard Stern in the morning. And we don't mean to laugh in the face of the other radio stations. <laughs> but you're just not K-Rock! Turn to K-Rock 92.3 FM! Ow! To be at a radio station when it's just starting, that's the best time to be there. Especially, especially because you know that everybody wants you there. You're not just somebody who was left over from an old format that uh, you know and worked with, worked with some other program director. These are people who are all hired right to start the station. Everybody is really positive, and uh, you just you just know they want you there, and you want to be there. This is Allison Steele on ninety two three K Rock. I've had the pleasure of playing some great rock and roll through the years, and I can tell you that right now there's only one station in New York that plays classic rock and roll back-to-back with no filler or fluff, and that's 92.3 K-Rock, and that's why I've switched. So come, fly with me. Allison Steele, The Nightbird, Saturday nights from 8 to midnight on 92.3 K-Rock, and when I'm not... Such an exciting time, Jimmy. Talk about the legendary air staff that was put together for this radio station. I mean, some came from WNEW, some came from WPLJ, like an all-star team. Talk about some of those personalities. Yeah, well, Tony Pig uh, was part of K-Rock as well, and Mark Coppola, we both came from from PLJ.
some of the people who came later from WNEW were Pete Fornital and um they they were friends of Mel Carmazan, who was the owner of K Rock at the time. Uh, later on, to started Sirius and all that kind of stuff. But uh, but Mel brought in some of the people from from NEW and also some people like Meg Griffin at one hundred two point seven. This is WNEW FM in New York. Meg Griffin for um, Richard Near. Richard will be in at about six o'clock. Weather providing to um, take the place of Dave Herman, who's the only smart one in the bunch. He's in Aruba. There was this one guy, his name was um, Steve Capen. Steve was uh, a, a great disc jockey. He passed away a few years ago. Uh, Steve used to end up his uh, weeks-long shows by playing like a, a soundtrack of, of uh, an old film machine, uh, you know, clicking along and recapping everything that he did all week on his show. It was just, it, it was just great. And he was, he was really good. And he and Meg Griffin were, were a thing at the time also. So, Jimmy, from time to time through this air check session, Paul and I are going to throw you some names of famous people that you've had encounters with through the years, kind of like rapid fire. Uh, when we do, tell us what comes to mind. The first one is Robin Gibb. Oh, man. One of my favorite interviews ever was Robin Gibb. He's another who is who's passed on. He just had, first of all, the voice of an angel. And uh, there was a song that the, the Bee Gees did that was called Odessa, City on the Black Sea. And it starts off by singing about the 14th of February, 1899. And Robin Gibb, his voice was just so angelic in that particular song and in some of the other Bee Gees songs. And they invited me uh, to their hotel room in the Waldorf Astoria to do the interview with Robin. It was just a great interview. And there happened to be a piano in the hotel room. And after we talked, and it was really a kind of an emotional talk because it was at a time when some of the rock fans of the Bee Gees sort of turned against them because they thought they were doing some kind of a disco thing. Meanwhile, I was a disco guy also. I, <laughs> I love all kinds of music, including disco and Spent many a night at Studio 54 all night long and then <laughs> went to PLJ to do my show at six o'clock in the morning. But anyway, the interview with Robin Gibb ended up with him walking me over to the piano and sitting down and just playing some songs for me personally, privately. And it was great. And he was wonderful and heartfelt and emotional. And it was just a great interview. I loved it. Robert Plant. Robert Plant, I met a few times. My first impression of him was that he's really tall. I'm tall. I'm six foot one, and I think he might be taller than me. My first encounter with him was at the elevator at PLJ, where I encountered a lot of people uh, from time to time. Uh, the actual interview, I'm not sure if, if I participated in the interview at PLJ, but I've interviewed him recently at The Peak, 107.1 The Peak, where he he talked about his collaboration with Alison Krauss, which has now produced two albums, the first of which Raising Sand won Grammy Awards. The second one is out now, and we're playing uh, one of the current songs on the peak from, from that particular album, and that's what we talked about. We also talked about some of the lyrics of Led Zeppelin songs, which are a little bit out there, you might say. Not an amateur historian, but I'm really, really very interested in um, dark age history. So I guess that's where some of those strange lyrics came from in 1970. Uh, the Hammer of the Gods, all that sort of stuff came from the movement of civilizations through these islands and, uh, you know, all that stuff. When when I thought it was a good idea to come up with lyrics like that, I didn't really realize what the sort of um, ultimately, you know, I'd always been reading about history and 
And then I thought, okay, this is really compelling music. We'll drive our ships to new lands. And then suddenly, before you know it, five years later, there's a lot of people with double-bladed axes on their, tattooed on their forearms and stuff. And I think, oh, I see. I get it, yeah. (laughs) I'm curious to know that, you know, in an uh, era that we're in right now where media kind of travels around the world in seconds, Mm. digitally, often, often even virally, I wonder, is the album, in terms of CD or vinyl, uh, still a viable medium for you as an artist to to disseminate your craft? Excuse me, you're not the first person to ask that question. I mean, who knows? I have no idea. All I know is, is that it was my life's work always to approve the vinyl cut. I always wanted it to sound, I wanted the vinyl to be more or less what, what we'd set out to do all those years ago and what every artist ever did was to make it sound beautiful and warm and powerful and vinyl to me even though it's a sort of it's truly on the up and up as far as you know i think the mumfords and people like that came around the corner and um insisted that the vinyl be on display all these different various outlets and i think it's really it's pretty crucial stuff to have it sounding good on vinyl but in answer to your question, I have no idea <laughs> where the hell it's going. Good answer. So talking about radio stations, uh, where you were and how they've evolved, uh, 95.5 WPLJ, such a, a long legacy story, originally WABC-FM. WABC-FM, New York. <laughs> Primarily news in its earlier years. It also broadcast Met games. In 1968, WABC went progressive rock. Uh, the love format. You're listening to the Dave Herman program on WABC FM in New York. <laughs> oh, too late. WPLJ 95.5 FM in New York. I almost said the wrong thing again. <laughs> uh, okay, well, this isn't what's supposed to happen here now, but uh, this is a tune from the past here we go for, for our our non-radio insiders what was the love format well the love format was really a national format abc owned seven stations across the country new york i don't know if i'll name them all but at new york uh, san francisco los angeles chicago dallas and and a few others seven altogether, and uh, they were tied together by what they called the love format where several disc jockeys recorded tapes and they were distributed among the seven stations and this it wasn't live of course but uh, they did progressive rock shows where the disc jockeys basically played whatever they wanted to play and they included tony pig and brother john was another disc jockey um who was part of the love format and then in 1970 they decided that they wanted to go live on these stations and wabc fm went live tony pig was one of the disc jockeys who came to new york from california where he was working and uh, went live in new york and i happened to be a college student at the time mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, and i called in at the beginning of the summer just to make a request and got connected to this man named alan shaw who was the vice president of abc in charge of the fm stations well jimmy fink was one of the absolute original PLJ personalities. He was working at the station on February 14th, 1971, when WPLJ was born. That's right. Jimmy, you have to tell your story. Well, 
the sto- first the it's story of how I got story. my job, if if yeah. that's what you mean, it's that's just it, like yeah. I was just a listener. You know, <laughs> he called to make a request. I called to make a request. <laughs> how I got connected that? to the vice president of ABC, oh, and he on. said, "Well, why don't you come down and make a taste?" I don't know why he was answering the request lines, but <laughs> he started quizzing me all about music and what did I know about music and why did I want to hear the songs I requested, which, by the way, were a song called "Madam George" by Van Morrison and. Um, uh, handbags and glad rags, two kind of mellow songs. And um, I went down to the station to meet him. I never actually made a tape, but the following Saturday, which was July 12th, 1970, weird that July 12th was also the same day that K-Rock went on the air in 1985. But this was July 12th, 1970. And he put me on the air. Jimmy Fink at WPL. <laughs> Stevie Wonder, don't you worry about a thing. Gordon Lightfoot, the wreck of the Edmund Fitzgerald and James Taylor's Sweet for 20G at WTLJ. It's 9.15, 47 degrees in New York City. Thickening clouds today with a chance of occasional rain this afternoon and early tonight. Temperatures will be in the low 50s. And partly cloudy, turning windy and colder later tonight with a low in the mid-30s, it says. And it says in this paper that there could be some snow flurries in the suburbs. Oh, my God. How can that be right? The weather department didn't say anything about snow. Monday, sunny, windy, and cold, high around 50. So if there is any... I was on the air for that whole summer on WABC-FM in New York. At the end of the summer, basically what I had seen over the course of the summer was a lot of coming and going at the radio station. It was a station in flux. Like I said, it was a station that's just starting and a lot of coming and going of people who had worked there before and didn't work there anymore. And I said to myself, well, I don't think I'm going to like quit college to come here (laughs) and maybe work here and be one of the people who's gone again, just like I saw a lot of people go over that summer. So I considered it a summer job. And I told them at the end of the summer, I'm uh, going back to school. And when I went back to school, I did college radio and also worked at WHFS in Bethesda, Maryland. I went to American University in Washington, D.C. And I don't know if you know Steve Leeds. Yeah. Yeah. Steve is now like an executive at Sirius XM. Steve and I went to college together. Steve was the station manager of my college radio station, WAMU. His brother's Harvey, right? His his brother is Harvey. That's exactly right. Yeah. Then when I came home for Christmas, I said, well, I'm coming home for Christmas. And when uh, my particular college had a certain semester set up where you were off the whole month of January. So I came home just before Christmas and I was home all through January. And uh, Alan Shaw and I spoke again and he said, well, you're home. Why don't you work for WABC-FM while you're here? So at the end of that particular period of time, I said, you know what? I'm graduating in a few months. I might as well like keep my job here. And I commuted back and forth from Washington, D.C. to New York every weekend to continue doing weekend shows at WABC-FM. And wow. it turned into a job that lasted for 13 years until 1985. Pretty good investment. Um, yeah. I was a weekend fill-in guy for about the first seven, seven or eight years that I worked there. As I said, in radio, there's a constant change and flux of people. So even though I was a weekend fill-in guy, I was filling in so much. I was practically full-time because they were getting rid of people and they had a six, eight, 10-week period of time when the slot wasn't filled yet. And I did it. I also had a family business in New York City, the bread business. My family was in the wholesale bread business. And I worked there also um, until 1978. And then I went full-time on the radio and I did the morning show at WPLJ starting in 1978. The thing is, I worked there for like eight years just as a fill-in part-time guy, but there was so much turnover, like my fill-in part-time was almost full-time. And then Jim left the station for a couple of years. Oh, that's a story. And I 
started doing the morning show, and Larry, Ber- Larry Berger, program director, said, uh, well, why don't you just do the morning show? And I said, great. And then Jim came back, so it was like I filled in for him for two years. Jimmy Fink, such a great person to listen to, talk with, and learn from. New York's finest, and more to come. On our next episode with Jimmy, part 204, Jimmy relives those formative years of his love for radio, the story of the WPLJ call letters, those legendary PLJ DJs he was fortunate to work with, and the PLJ format change in the early 80s, his conversation with Graham Nash, and the elevator encounter he had with John Lennon and Yoko Ono. You can follow us, stream, and download every episode of Air Check on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. You can also tell your smart speaker to play Air Check Podcast. If you haven't done so, give us a great rating. We'd also love to hear from you on our Facebook page, AirCheckMate. This is Rich DeSisto. And I'm Paul Kelly. We'll talk to you soon. Closing out another episode of AirCheck, a podcast about radio's personality from radio personalities. If you have radio stories to share, we'd love to hear from you. Join the AirCheck guest list. Email aircheckme at gmail.com. Musical props are Chris Gordon's. Announcer props, I'll take those. Greg O'Brien, the OB. AirCheck is available now on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. You can also tell your smart speaker to play AirCheck Podcast. AirCheck is the creation of RDPK Productions.